0: Welcome to the show. This is the real, real show. Casting nets, <laughs> Right there.
1: Yes. Uh, I was uh, not doing the, the flashy buttons was not playing nice with me, but it's great to have you here, Will.
0: It's good to be here in my office, you in your office. We sure. are gathering here to to uh, continue our work together and going through the book of James. And uh, if you are wondering why we're not in the same room together, um, it is because uh, we are in the season of Lent, and we have sermons galore and opportunities to uh, lift high the cross of Christ and prepare ourselves, our hearts, our minds, and the hearts and minds of our listeners for um, our Lord's uh, glorification upon the cross and his resurrection. And so because of the busyness of the year, we just said, we're going to cut out the, the travel time. And, and we're just going to gather. So hopefully uh, the sound is good. Uh, I know last time it got a little warbly, but hopefully we'll we have corrected some of that. Right?
1: Yeah. And it's, um, it's great to go through the book of James, uh, real life, living faith today. Um, because, I mean, if you look around in the world, I mean, what's going on in the world? Uh, I just read this morning that um, Haynes and Fruit of the Loom, Haynes is taking Fruit of the Loom to court. It, it's a briefcase. So it's better to be here than to be listening to all the (laughs) stuff that's going on in the world because we're going to talk about real life and living faith. And as we do so, it's an encouragement for you to uh, continue the conversation with us here at Casting Nets, whether you email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com, whether you make comments in the comment as we're doing the live stream or as you um, make comments on our Facebook page under the video after the live stream is over, or most of the comments that we get, uh, as we do this podcast, are from people in person. So come visit us at Emanuel Lutheran Church and Shirley. That's where you'll find me uh, most of the time. Or uh, visit St. John and Maribel, where you will find Pastor Will Harley, where you will find him all of the time.
0: Well, I don't know about all the time. I mean, there's like three or four hours where I may be at home. So,
1: yes, uh, he's got like three sermons that he's preaching this week. He is preaching not just the midweek ser- s- services, yes. but he is also preaching for... Pastor Jim Hefner's installation coming up this Sunday at Christ You're in installing Denmark.
0: Installing as a fixture in four congregations. Yes, that is that is awesome.
1: Not is quite historic because it has been done before, but uh, it, 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 is it is definitely. Has
0: it been done different. here? Has it been done here
1: in Wisconsin?
0: Well, no, in our circuit.
1: I mean, I don't. Thi- has it? Ha-
0: have we had a quad parish in our circuit before?
1: In our circuit, no now so there we go in our synod yes well, in the synod of course yeah
0: yeah so i have a question for you yeah
1: before uh, we did begin
0: here before we begin did you uh um in response to i don't know if you've seen uh hershey's um they they were coming out with uh um for their broadcasting for their chocolate bars for it being uh women's month they came out with uh somebody who is not an actual woman uh who who's now promoting it for this month and so in response did you hear about the the new bars chocolate bars that are being released
1: yeah he him uh, the he me. him
0: bars oh. and the she her bars
1: but this and show you know, is not brought by jeremy borning or daily wire it's this not, show is brought understand. by brought to you by good, good coffee. coffee
0: but but you do you know the difference right and i thought this is just really funny the difference between the the he him bars and the she her bars
1: yes One has nuts.
0: (laughs) One has nuts. (laughs) I thought that was really funny. (laughs) Anyway, this is the way the show is going to go today. (laughs) If you have said anything that's going to, uh, for for whatever reason, trigger you, (laughs) uh, well,
1: anyway yeah we don't want you we don't want to be triggered we don't want you to <laughs> be triggered <laughs> no, we, we do want them yeah I, I I don't I don't even want will to be triggered by my Star trek background so I have a nice beautiful background behind me of me of, of, of the cross pleasant. and and of the uh, the empty tomb because I know that would give him rest and uh be there for him so if you do like our show uh please give us a review or share it with your friends we, we you have our permission to share it Uh, and uh, if you give us a review or want to put some stars next to us give us four stars don't give us five unless you think that will harley's head needs to get bigger then give us five stars but otherwise four stars is is great and that helps the uh, algorithms the ai algorithms which by the way eventually we're going to talk about the ai uh, algorithms and what's going on in our culture these days but uh during Lent and all of the other responsibilities that we have, we are just looking at the Book of James, which is interestingly also what we're both independently talking about in our in our congregations uh, during this season of Lent.
0: There you go. So let's uh, let's jump on into the, the show today, huh? Let's do it. back in the book of James. So welcome back. To, uh, as we started the book of James last week, we had a good opportunity to kind of run through the introduction, do a little bit of groundwork of who James is. Uh, we we took a minute to to kind of take a step back and say, all right, we're, we're talking most likely about the brother of our Lord and Savior Jesus, the half-brother. Um, talked a little bit about him, talked a little bit about his focus, who he's he talking to, Um, And that brings us now to uh, verse 12 of James chapter 1. So uh, let's jump on in.
1: Great. Uh, James chapter 1, we're reading from the EHV, Evangelical Heritage Version of the Bible. You can see it on your screen or we will read it out loud. Blessed is the man who endures a trial patiently because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, because God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is dragged away and enticed by his own desire. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin, when it is full-grown, gives birth to death.
0: There we go. (coughs) So, um, our first little section here has got a lot packed into it. um, And... uh, um, I don't know where you want to start with it. Probably we could, we could probably start from the beginning and work our way down. So um, maybe have some talk a little bit about what are these trials? What are these tests that uh, um, the Lord has placed in front of us? Um, And I think sometimes, at least, and I'll start off the conversation, I suppose. um, We sometimes think in our life that trials and tests are always bad things, Right. Um, that, that, that the trials and the tests that we, we seem to go through in life, that these are, these are the horrible, big, big things. You know, I had to go through cancer, or I have to, I have to put up with a coworker worker that, that I just can't stand, or um, I'm being tested because um, you know, all of the things that I seem to fall prey to end up coming up in my life over and over and over again. I, I don't think this is what James is talking about. I, I don't think what James is talking about are all the bad things. Necessar- I'm not saying that they don't include or couldn't include challenges that that had come about because of other people's sin or whatnot. Um, but I don't think that this is essentially all that he is talking about, that it's just secluded to that. What do you think?
1: Um, I think the whenever we teach this in Confirmation, we always talk about the role of evil. Like who is using evil for what? What is the devil using evil in your life for to lead you away from God? Whatever it is, so he wants. You, he always wants you to fail, and the de- and our God and Savior loves us so much that even when He allows evil to happen, because He can prevent it from happening, uh, if He if He so chooses, if He allows it to happen, He always wants us to succeed. He wants us to do well. So whatever it is that you're going through in life, I, I agree. It's not a consequence of sin necessarily. I could see, uh, you know, if somebody is. Uh, um, you are let's give an example you are drinking too much get a DUI and now you can't drive where you need to drive and you think oh that's some big trial that the Lord has called on me well that is a consequence of your action this is more of whatever is going in, lo- in life that makes life difficult I think what you were trying to say and I think it is uh, maybe world view shattering for listeners is that the idea that God challenges us because he wants us to succeed. He wants us to get better. He wants us to grow in our sanctification.
0: Well, and, <coughs> and I think it it even it even plays a little bit into uh, our concept of what the garden of Eden was. And you know, we think that the garden of Eden was this or I said su- I suppose if we think the garden of Eden was this pristine place that nothing ever happened, we are so far from the truth. Um, the garden of Eden was a place where there were tests. There were, um, you could say, trials. There were things for us to overcome and things for us to expand and grow because there's there's that need in, in life to have that pushback, right? Um, things for us to challenge, mountains for us to climb, things for us to overcome. Um, one, it tests our abilities and our growth and reliance on the Lord, but it also shows how far we have come in this walk of faith. And and I think the, the the qualifying remark that helps us lead into this conversation, and then he'll switch, and he's he's going to give the the reality of it in a sinful world, but the but that the 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 leader of that remark really is, he will receive the crown of life which God promised to those who love Him. This this is not um, well. He's going to give it because now it's changed. No, this has been the promise from the very beginning. <clears throat> you receive a crown of life. You you're going to go. There's things in life that are going to be a test a way for you to worship me a way for you to expand and grow and and continue on this journey and it's going to have with it a crown of life and, and an enjoyment that I've promised to you because I love you and you love me and this is this is the joy that we work in together and when we think about that I go back to the garden um, that tree was in many ways a trial right it, it, it was a test it was also an opportunity for worship it was an op- and and by avoiding it by by um circumventing it by not eating of it not doing the thing that god said don't do um you regain you gained life you gained the crown of life it was yours and there was a love between your father and heaven and you um, now i certainly in agree a with everything world. you've
1: you've said i i was just thinking of how when jesus was growing and he grew in wisdom and in stature um, how, what what a great comfort that is for all of us who God gave us a test and we failed. Uh, I I knew I was supposed to grow spiritually, but I I I chose not to. I took the wrong route, and here Jesus right. did that for us. He over and even the temptation of Je- of Satan of Jesus by Satan in the wilderness. Maybe that's one you gravitate toward, but you let's not forget uh, his whole upbringing. Uh, how he was, he grew in his knowledge. He grew in his stature. He grew as these uh, tests were given to him in various ways, um, and he over, over, always overcome them, always did the right thing.
0: Well, and I, and I think that brings up the, <clears throat> the part that we have in front of us, which is, so he leads from the pinnacle of, of trials and temptations, or I should say trials and tests aren't bad. Now, some of them can have, in a sinful world, come from bad origins, but they're not bad. Um, because these are this is God's way of giving the crown of life, God's way of of having us engage in living, and and this is the promise that He's given us that out of love.
1: Yeah, now, and we in the turn. Other side of it, I'm sorry. Can, no, before, go for it. No. Before you keep going, I, I just want just a small clarification in verse 12 at the end to those who love Him, how that can be twisted into something that it's not being meant to say, because He is He's talking to two Christians already two people who already, by the love of God, love God. So for mm-hmm. us to say, well, I'm only going to get the crown of life if I actually love him, or if he's, He only God is going to do things for me if I love him first. That's not what James is talking about. He's just no. talking about his beloved, whom he has shown love, whom he has, by the work of the Holy Spirit, created faith in, that they in turn now are his children, that he wants them to grow. Um, so it's kind of an afterthought, not a uh, a prompt to um this is what you have to do first before God acts
0: well and, uh, and so he's yeah like you said he's assuming that his his listeners have already heard um we love because he first loved us <laughs> he he's assuming he's assuming that's already changed your life um but then he gets into this conversation about temptation which i think is a <clears throat> a very um amazing conversation because um the way that he paints this um, picture of temptation. Temptation really isn't isn't bad. Um, temptation is not <clears throat> the evil we think it is. Um, temptation is just the the sounding board that that really highlights what we are inside. And 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 so you have the one who tempts Jesus in the wilderness. He's evil. The temptation he gives isn't evil. And it has no sounding board in Jesus. So the temptation is real. The temptation is real. The temptation is there. But it has nothing that, that it, 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 it affects nothing in Christ because he's perfect. <laughs> he, he doesn't have a sinful nature that says, that sounds really good. <laughs> and And then responds and echoes off of that temptation.
1: Yeah, thank thank you for that clarification. Because so many times people say, when I'm tempted, they've already fallen. That or when right. Jesus was tempted, he's already fallen. No, these are the devil giving him an opportunity here. Uh, one or the other. Which one do you want to choose? God or or not God or yourself? Um, and uh, for temptation, um, James reminds us that it it has it has a progression, and it starts from within. It starts from the sinful nature, which. In our Bible class, we had a long conversation about, you know, if video games are violent or if our kids are watching this on television, what is the cause of of sin in our children's lives? And so oftentimes we think, well, if I just protect them enough, if I don't uh, engage with all of these things, that somehow they'll, they won't sin. And the sad reality of James, he's splashing cold water on that. Um, yeah, you can be a monk in a monastery out there in the middle, but you're still going to be a sinful monk. Uh, there's still going to be uh, that sinful nature inside of you,
0: and and that's what and and the sinful nature is the is that sounding board. It's the echo of the temptation. So the temptation comes and, and the the sinful nature then echoes back. Now now here's where the question and I think this is worth discussing a little bit, um, although not in necessarily in the text, but we see the flow and let let scripture interpret scripture. Um, you know when we we say, and I, I suppose it can be taken in two ways. Um, and we can we can voice that in the Garden of Eden, um, did did um, Eve sin before she ate the fruit. and and you you kind of step back from that and you 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 kind of look and say, okay, what was the command? The command was, don't eat of the fruit. So you could say, no, until she ate of the fruit, she had not yet sinned. Yet coming here, you could really make the claim, right? that this sinful nature started to rear its ugly head when she started with with the when the when when the temptation was approached it found its its echo inside of her and and that the intent before the action was already there you know uh, and and I think that that gives us some some really good leeway to say okay the whole this whole thing that whole occurrence was the fall, not just the one action. The whole occurrence was the fall. Yeah, the, the whole progression.
1: Right. I know James has a progression, but it's really difficult for our own lives, too, to say wh- at what point was this a temptation? At what point was this a sin? Right. I had this thought or this, oppor- you know, this opportunity, to choose God or not choose God. Um, and what did I do? And, and, and at what point did I sin? I don't know I, that's why I need Christ <laughs> that's why I need because yeah. because uh, I may have like resisted the temptation but um, there must have been there could have been something else in that in that mix because your sinful nature is so corrupt and so it's, it's so hard to tell what is you and what is your sinful nature because of the, the echo chamber everything all the all the everything is just bouncing around in there and like what what is what right
0: well, and but that, that's what I'm saying uh, you know sometimes sometimes we like to, to, to plug a point. Right, and we say this is the point in which I I actually went over that line, and, and I think what James is trying to say is is that's not that what I'm what I'm trying to say is James is looking at it and saying okay, that that's not how it is. You have the occurrence, and and there's a progression within that that you are not necessarily conscious of. You're not conscious of the progression of what's going on, but it's there. And it's happening. And so by the time it has its fruition in the action, it's already happened. Because you've already contemplated it. You've already you've already ingested it. You've already been thinking about it. You've already you know what I'm saying? It's it's it, it, it's the it's just the reaction of the snowball. Now it started to move. But it already been building up. So I I find these two verses, or these section of verses, twelve through fifteen, to be um, some of the most pivotal verses for what's going to come in the rest of the book of James, because everything else that James is going to be talking about deal with trials, the the testings, life, how do we encounter life and deal with life, and going to be dealing with temptation, Um, the temptation to do the opposite of what we know to be right. Um, So I, I really view feel that this right out of the gate right as he he's he's you know he's hitting them fairly soon saying here is the point this this is the point of of what we are going to be talking about the rest of the book how does this play out how does it play out that we are tested we are in trials and and as christians you you have this high road or low road right as a as a christian this is what's before you
1: I think this whole concept of the temptation and who's who's the acting, who's acting on you, what are their intentions God wants you to succeed, this, the devil wanting you to fail, or your sinful nature wanting you to fail to lead you away to, to sin, and then the result of death really plays in part in the next couple of verses because sometimes you just, because we have that paragraph break and the subject heading break, we think this is a new subject. But this is James, just keep right on going um, because especially when you talk about gifts, then we we've already forgotten uh this trial is a gift. We've already forgotten that his uh, activity in our lives is a gift uh, that he wants us to succeed as as a heavenly father, a loving heavenly father. So, if you are away with me going on to verses 16 to 18. How's that? Lead, Lead the, the way.
0: I'll even let you read.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have such a sultry voice somebody once said. Uh verse 16. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers, every good act of giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the lights, who does not change or shift like a shadow. Just as he planned, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation.
0: You have uh, this section being quoted in the Apology, um, section 4.
1: The apology of, of the what? Ap- apology of what? The Who's of apologizing?
0: The apology of the Book of Concord. So of the Oxford
1: Confession
0: and the, the Lutheran Confessions. Yes, you have. Um, so the apology is not saying I'm sorry. It's the defense, and this is used in in section four, um, um, looking at the gifts of our Lord. And and I think uh, one of these one of the things to step back and and look at is is that. And this is hard for us to to comprehend. Everything good in our life is never never to our credit that we did not do it. It's it's for us, but it's to God's credit. Um, our our Lord has given and provided everything, and and this is alien to our ears because we want to be self made people. We want to be self self preserving. We want to be self sustaining. We want to be self reliant. We we think that that I can pull myself up by my bootstraps and that, um, that if something good happens in my life, then I must have deserved it or I was the bearer of it or I created the opportunity for it. Um, and if we do something good for someone else, and I'm going to use that term loosely, good, um, that we did this because we are an exceptional human being. And James just, he, he kind of knocks that whole concept down and says... Every good thing in life, every good thing that you experience, every every good gift that you have received, especially the gift of faith, especially the gift of eternal life, came from Him, and comes from Him, and, and you have n- you have no part in it. That this is this is you don't get you don't get to be um, the arbiter of it. that is, that is our Lord. And that is a profound statement. I think it goes contrary to everything we want to to convince ourselves of in
1: life. Yeah, and the beautiful the beautiful part of James is is telling us that he doesn't change or shift like a shadow. So in the giving of his gifts, if you read what how God uh, gave gifts in the Old Testament, how God provided even for people who were have little means, like the lilies of the field, or um, those kinds of things, where Je- even Jesus Himself, or God the Father, provided for Him, even though He didn't have anything, a house to live in, uh, His God provided for Him, and that same God is still consistent here today. And it, it's not like where God has somehow run out the, the eternal storehouses of providence have uh, have have, uh, have a supply chain problem. No, it is God, our heavenly Father, because of His great love for us, continuing to, to take care of us, provide for us, including. Uh, giving us trials and in to including um, using evil in our lives um, for our good and for our our level uh, for our betterment.
0: well, and and I think there's another another uh, caveat that we can jump on into here is is we have that. Uh, he does not change, right? Like uh, he does not change or shift like a shadow. Um, and, and I, I think about that and I think about the gifts that God gives and the good that God gives and how he, he does this. And I think we gather around in the church, uh, we gather around something we, we call the means of grace and, and the means of grace are our word and the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's supper. Um, that hasn't changed. And, and, and this is, this is. This is my own theological mind breaking open the doors and saying, let's, let's bring the Old Testament into the New Testament, and <laughs> let's, let's continue our walk. The same Lord who, who instilled the divine service in the book of Leviticus, where he was making his people holy through means, is the same Lord who is using means to make them holy still today. The same word that was there for Adam and Eve that spoke life into the new sinner is the same word that speaks life into us today. Um, that same Lord doesn't change. It, the same Lord that approaches us in love and in grace and in mercy today is the same Lord who approached uh, approach the Old Testament people in grace and love and mercy. Um, there, there's no difference between the two. And I think sometimes we get it in our head that that the God of the Old Testament um, was a vengeful God, an angry God, uh, a God of war and, and a God of destruction, and that and that he was against everybody. And then all of a sudden he's like, oops, I'm going to change, and I'm going to put on this persona of, of love and, and healing. And no, they, there is no shift. He, he, he is not like us where that way didn't work. I'm going to try something else. He says, no, here is my word. Here is my sacraments. This is the way I work in this world. This is the way I work in people's lives, and it's not going to change. And and so come and gather around what I'm giving. Come and gather around what what is going to be here for you and going to be here for your kids and going to be here for your great-grandkids and going to be here long when you're dead and you're with me in heaven. It'll still be here.
1: Yeah, our God is a God who hides himself. We would expect God to be powerful and majestic here in the New Testament, but he is the one who hides himself. If you go to worship at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Shirley or St. John and Maribel this coming Sunday, where we are talking about revel- uh, Genesis, uh, Exodus chapter seventeen, one to 7, where we, we see God one who them. hides himself. God continues to hide himself in these wonderful gifts of his word and sacrament. Yeah, A- and And through those wonderful gifts, he, he causes us to be what we were not. He causes us to be born again, uh, that we are his first fruits, that we are his uh, chosen creation, which... Is antithetical to our modern culture, which says that uh, human beings are just uh, one of the animals that we should be um, uh, subject to the rest of you know it, the the uh, the um, the animals. The special birds need their space, so human beings get out of the way. Uh, we are God's first fruits. We are His uh, chosen uh, well creation.
0: And that doesn't that harken back to our conversation when we talked about the angels, right? Um, angels are powerful beings. Angels are are um, the heavenly angels are of course holy, and and those who are have fallen are demons, but they're still powerful. They are not the crown of God's creation. That's what I thought. Crown.
1: Can, can I come up the, with that the, word. The yeah. Crown Go
0: of God's creation, the first fruit of God's creation, that He said, "This, these are mine." And I'm going to give them these abilities, and I'm going to put everything under their feet. This is this is for you, um, and th- this is for me. Um, and and quite literally, the the Lord who does not change and shift um, like shadows moved heaven and earth to make it so. Literally moved heaven and earth to make it, and planned to do so from all eternity, because he had not changed. His plan was to save you from all eternity. His plan was to send his son for you from all eternity. Yeah. And and there it is,
1: <laughs> right? Uh, um, make oh, it so. Make it so. By the way, our debunking angels is like the number one downloaded uh, mm. podcast it's for twenty twenty two. So thank you, Phoebe, for th- encouraging us to do debunking episodes because it is it is something that is very timely. And when we debunk
0: AI it'll even be better.
1: It'll be better, yeah. It'll be fun.
0: <laughs> so yeah, we have a God that doesn't change. We have a God that thinks highly of you. Um when you are when you are and and this should bring some some wonderful comfort, especially to a world who doesn't know who they are and, and what value they have. Um, they can learn look right to their Lord and say, Okay, the 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 creator of the universe who created the most minuscule of things in, in all of the creation and most grandiose things in all of creation um, thinks more of you than of that. Um, who am I that he would think of me? I am his child. I am the first fruit. I am the one that he he has moved heaven and earth. And if it was only for me, Christ would have come and he would have died. So
1: I hope our um, dear listeners are really picking up on this beautiful encouragement of James because he's talking about trials. Like you said, it's, it's a thread through the whole thing, the theology of the cross, uh, that the Christian is, is, is following their Lord Jesus, denying themselves, picking up their cross and following him. And they're saying, is it all worth it? Does God really love me? He's allowing all these terrible things to happen to me. And James reminds us, yeah, he does love you. This is, the, this is the God who looks at you and says, you are the first, you're the crown of my creation. You are, um, even if you are a female, you are my son. You are the chosen, uh, my chosen son because you, you're wearing the clothes of Jesus. You're wearing his righteousness. And so he looks at us and values us that much. Uh, and, and so that gives us encouragement in the midst of uh, life being a mess.
0: Well, and, and he loves you so much that he allows you to to go through hurdles. He allows you to jump them. He allows you to stretch and grow and learn. But there's Spe- more. Yeah, speaking 19. of
1: hurdles, let's, let's uh, look at 19 to 21. Remember this, my dear brothers. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Certainly a man's anger does not bring about what is right before God. So after getting rid of all moral filthiness and overflowing wickedness, receive with humility the word planted in you. It is able to save your souls.
0: So I think we need to to comment on the elephant in the room. Um the, the first elephant in the room, and then we can go back and and start off with nineteen. The first elephant in the room is verse twenty-one. Um and and this is this is where you have to come back and you have to say, Okay, um James is talking to believers. He is not talking to people who are not in faith. He is not talking to people who he's seeking conversion or a conversion story or a decision or any type of action on their part. He's talking to people who the Spirit has already changed, the blood of Christ has already cleansed, and they are now holy in God's sight. And they are they have been given back the hands to do God's will, the heart to follow his desire, um, and a love for the Lord to to offer him praise. And in that vein, right, we then can understand verse 21 that says, these, these are the things in my life that were there before the Lord came into my life and gave me his gifts. They have no place here now. And, and I can remove them. And, and then I love, and I've said this before, I've said this uh, numerous times, um, his very words, receive. Receive with humility the word planted in you. God already gave it; you've already received it. Th- this is the beautiful—this te- is the beautiful terminology. We, and I'm going to say it here. I'm going to get on my soapbox. I'm going to get off, and we can go back. Here's my soapbox. We in society have been pre-programmed to think that the—that—that that in 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 Christian life and faith there is there is rejecting, and then there is the opposite accepting. And that is not what God says. God says the opposite of rejecting. So if you reject the Holy Spirit, that means I want nothing to do with Him. The opposite of rejecting is receiving. The opposite of rejecting is receiving, not accepting. That's why when you get a, a package, right, um, and and you you sign the package and says, um, resign uh, on receiving the package, or you reject the package. It's, it's the opposite. So the opposite of rejecting is receiving. Now, the opposite of denying is accepting. So if you were going to talk in terms that way, you would say, well, do you deny or do you accept? But that's not the, the, the framework that God gives us in faith. The framework God gives us in faith is you have received it. I have planted it in you. It is yours already. And because it is yours already, it flows and has fruit. And one of the fruit that it has is the things that, that were in my life that shouldn't have been that, that moral filthiness that, that everyone else thinks is great and good and, and should be a thing is not a thing. And, and and it needs to be cut out. And so I seek to do such things in faith, in love, in response. There's my soapbox. I'm getting off. I'm going to, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Take us away in 19. My is
1: soapbox two. is, well,
0: did you want to be on that soapbox too? It has room for
1: two. <laughs> <laughs> I I do like verse twenty and verse uh, nineteen and twenty. A man's anger doesn't bring about what is right before God. I know in Bible class I shared a time when uh, we we're, we were sharing the times when our when we were not living up to the people that God has called us to be. And I said one it was one time I was uh, preaching in South Dakota, and we had Bible class before worship, and so Bible class would go until about quarter two. And then of course we would close and wrap things up and then worship would come. Well, people would be coming to worship like at nine forty. I don't remember when the church was, but they'd come be coming to worship and come be coming through the door and like walking past us and I'm like, What why aren't you stand, why aren't you coming just a little bit earlier for Bible class? And uh I remember one time I, I preached a sermon and I said, We had Bible class this morning and I said, Where were you? And uh It was just—it was coming from a place of anger, and uh, immediately I regretted it. Immediately I'm I'm reminded this doesn't encourage God's people. What?
0: As well as you should have. Yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 So, uh, so anyway, it's the and that is such a lie that your anger because you are angry because you feel that you are right and everyone else is wrong, or you feel that you are—you've got the. uh, you're in the higher ground than everybody else around you, does that produce the righteous life that you're looking for, that you would just come from your high horse, from your position of of anger, does that actually produce it? In the world it does, because the world operates under fear. Uh, you get angry, and you express that anger, whether you're expressing it in words or in action, and the rest of the world either fights against it or uh, accepts your... your um your anger and said well I'll do what you want because I don't want to I don't want to face a conflict that's not how Christians are to operate that's not how God calls us to live he he says this is who you are so be uh, you are a, a redeemed child of God so be and live in that
0: and, and I agree with what you're saying I have a question though for you and and the question is is James specifically saying you can't get angry
1: no I would not I would not say that I'm just saying his encouragement is slow to become angry a man's anger doesn't bring about what is right right? before god so just this whole idea of you think well if i'm slow to become angry then when i do get angry because you you get to determine how how fast you get angry right you say well it's slower than it could have (laughs) been so therefore (laughs) now i'm now i'm angry (laughs) so you know i could have been it could have been a lot faster i could have gotten really really angry really fast so I've I've come you know slow to anger now and so now I'm acting in anger, and that's I like that verse twenty. That's where it says a man's anger doesn't produce what is right before God because there's no gospel there. It's all law,
0: right? But I, but I also think that that nineteen hedges that and 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 uh, I'm not anytime a man gets angry we uh, we do we do not have the the capacity for righteous anger. We we just don't because we're not <laughs> we we are not we're not. Viewing everything in the perfect nature of Christ. Um, but there is something to be said that that he is opening up the window to say it's going to happen. You know, even when you even when you listen and you hear both sides or all sides, um, and and even when you control your own speech so that you're you're not reacting out of the emotion, um, it, it it's going to happen because you can't go through life never being angry. Um, and, and I think there's people that have had or have tried it, and, and it, it wells up inside of them. It, it just wells up inside of them because we are sinful people, and we do get angry. And, and then it breaks out in ways and in, and in areas that um, you're just you you're like, I don't even know where that came from. you know, Something so stupid, something so foolish. Um, all of a sudden, it, the dam breaks open because it was the last little bit of drop of water, and now the dam can't hold. So there is something, I think, to be said in society. When you deal with the sinful nature, um, there is catharsis. Um, th- th- that's a, a term used to to how do we burn away, right? Um, burn away some of that aggression. Um, and and there's something to be said about that. I agree. That it's, it it's, re-
1: it's a reminder to us our emotions aren't sinful in and of themselves. They're a part of who we are. Um, right. And but uh, how, how do we manage them? How do we care for our own bodies this way, so that we don't I, we don't let things fester, and and uh, um, we, we we provide ourselves outlets, like <coughs> giving yourself rest, uh, giving yourself doing something different for a time, just to burn off some of that energy, whether it is uh, nervous energy, whether it's an anger energy, so that you can set yourself correctly for whatever it is, whatever trial God has put in place in front of you.
0: Well, and and also just. Be willing to stand by and say, I, "I'm, I'm going to respond, probably not in the best way, and I know that is wrong, and ask and seek forgiveness afterwards." Um, because, and then I can only think—I just think of of conversations I've had in my own marriage and conversations I've had with my own kids, where where your your anger flares. You know, it's like I've had this conversation before, we've been down this road before, we've talked about this before, and no matter how many much listening that I do and, and trying not to say anything, it's the same thing over and over and over again. And I react, and and sometimes I don't even react and say anything to my wife, I go and I just am so angry, I, I lash out on something else, I still need to come back and 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 apologize to my wife and ask for her forgiveness because... Or my children and ask for their forgiveness because even if I said absolutely nothing to them, even if I said absolutely nothing to them and they didn't know I was angry, I was angry and I sinned against them because they they weren't the cause of that, and yet I was still angry at them for it. Um, and, and I think this is where James has this beautiful this this beautiful I would call it I would say that James was a Lutheran and he was walking <laughs> the Lutheran middle where where he's like, you know, no no anger is acceptable anger in a sinful person. Um and and so we come to the Lord. Right? And we need to have forgiveness.
1: Who was it that said uh, you should count to 10 before you speak and count to 100 bef- when you're angry some something like that. Or and I th- I think there's a lot of value in uh, taking care of yourself and Emotionally taking care of yourself, um, taking care, giving yourself outlets so that you don't take this out on others. There's a ton of value, like you're saying, in confession and absolution because, <coughs> and confessing your sins to your kids and say, "What what I did here was what the way I said it was not appropriate because I let my anger control me. So please forgive me for that. But what you did was wrong. So, so let's not there's let's no not lying. just because there's yeah. there let's not. Just because Dad got angry doesn't mean that uh, what you did was okay. Um, there's a reason why I got angry. So I've I've had those conversations too with our kids where uh, my wife it would say, you know, you really destroyed them. Go ap- apologize. I'm like, well, they w- did something wrong, but so I would go and talk to them and we I would did it say, first. <laughs> yeah, it would say exactly that. Where Dad didn't, I need your forgiveness because I didn't handle this the correct way. But what you did yeah. was wrong, and usually, and as a parent that's an awkward conversation to have if you've never had that conversation before if you've never if you've always been the person that's been always right and you have to admit to your children that you're wrong it's a very it's very awkward those first times but trust me it works because children know exactly what's going on they know dad was right but how he handled it was not right and and he doesn't apologize to that, shouldn't he apologize? If he's asking me to apologize for something I've done that's wrong, how come he isn't apologizing to me? So there, the consistency is always a, a good thing in parenting.
0: Well, and, and I think it also—
1: And forgiveness, I should say. <laughs> Probably forgiveness better. Forgiveness is a big thing. And,
0: and as a parent seeking forgiveness is a huge, huge thing, that, that you are waiting on your children to, to be Christ for you and pronounce what Christ pronounces to us all. Um, that is a humbling experience, um, but, but I, I think it, it bears also to be said, and I think we've said it in, in various ways, um, but m- maybe to spell it out, nobody makes you angry. Nobody can make you angry. Anger comes from your perceived rights being trampled and it flows from that abuse that you are perceiving. And that only comes when when we are not taking things in the best possible way. It only comes when we are we are um allowing our own sinful natures to over exert themselves and say that we have rights at all. And that that in this in this grand scheme of the world we have the right to say this is my area of control, and you've stepped on it, and now I can retaliate. Um, that's what causes anger, not the person. The, 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 the person doesn't cause you to be angry. It is your perception of what happened to you that causes you to be angry. And, and I think this is where, where maybe understanding
1: where anger comes from. Um, James does the same thing, too. He doesn't yeah. say everybody else is causing you to be angry, no, you. Dear yep. brothers, uh, you yep. be slow to become angry. It doesn't matter what's happening to you. You are still in control or still are responsible, I should say, for your own uh, um, emotions. I
0: would agree. Excellent.
1: That's a good, That's a good section. Going on. Yeah. Um, okay. So oops, this is, you don't want to look at me. You want to look at the text. Uh, verses 19. We just did that one. Uh, verses 22 to 25. people who do not who do what the word says not people who only hear it such people are deceiving themselves in fact anyone who hears the word and does not do what it says is like a man who carefully looks at his own natural face in a mirror indeed he carefully looks at himself then he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like but the one who looks carefully into the perfect law the law of freedom and continues to do so since he does not hear and forget but actually does what it says, that person will be blessed in what he does.
0: Yeah, this is uh, another hard section. Um, I would, if if you have your Bibles open and you're following along with us, not just by sight or or hearing, and if you're doing that, that's fine. I'm not saying don't do that. But if you are following along with your Bibles open, take a pencil or a pen and circle the word "be." Um, that is a that is a word that is unique unto itself, um, because so easily it can be looked at as law. I must be something. But it also is, and this is the beauty of it, it's a statement. God pronouncing you as something. Be this. So, case in point, um, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Be perfect as the Lord your God is perfect. Uh, uh, Echoing Leviticus 19, too. Be holy as the Lord your God is holy. Now, when you look at it and in, in, in you take those those separate verses, we've used both of those verses to, and and I think rightfully so, say this is what God's requirement is of us, right? And it becomes the law. Be these things. Do it. And, it, and when we, we look at ourselves in the mirror, according to that, I'm not holy. I'm not perfect. I can't be these things. But when you look at it in the context of the way that Jesus is speaking it, um, in, in Matthew 5 or you look at the context in, in where it's spoken by the Lord in Leviticus 19 it is a declaration God is declaring you are these things because I have made you so because I am so now be because I am you are and, and so it's one of those words like I said circle that because this is an awesome word To the sinful nature, all the red flags are going up going, I can't be this way. I can't be this way. How dare God demand it? And to the new man, he's like, oh, thank God I am. (laughs) To the new man that God has created, it's saying, yes, praise be to the Lord. I am that. that. That is who I am. And so what does James do? He says, be, right? Be. Be the people who are engaging in the third use of the law. Be the people who have now taken what I have given and are I, in even its m- mediocre or or its 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 um, infancy stages, what I have given and living it, be that.
1: It follows t- through with and verse twenty five when he talks about the perfect law, the law of freedom, where we think of the complete law. What and and so oftentimes as Christians we're looking at the law and the gospel as if they're they can act independently. Yes, they're two columns, they're two different things, two different concepts. Um, but they are meant to be together. This is what makes them complete. The law isn't complete unless you have the gospel. The gospel isn't complete until you have the law. This is this is who we are in Christ. Because of Him, we can be. Uh, because of His proclamation to us, we are. Uh, because of Him, we are we are given instruction as to how to live. We have this worldview that is guided by His word, by His law and, fr- and freedom, and meaning that God says this is how this is the way to live. This is um, this is the way that you know that God isn't going to is going to bless. First of all, and God isn't going to say, "Oh, by the way, I'm going to change the rules." Um, this is no, this is freedom. This is you don't have to worry about a, a police officer pulling you over because you're going 56 when all the other times a police officer has been pulling you over when you go 59. So this is this is a God being wishy washy. This is a God who is, gives us freedom. His law is always consistent, and his encouragement to do so is always consistent as well. It is found in. Christ, who is the Messiah, who uh, lived, and per- lived and died for us.
0: Well, and that is encouragement is, is said even and framed in the simple fact that you are these things already. Yeah. So this flows from it. And, and I think this, this is where his illustration is so beautiful, because I think sometimes we could use this illustration in a wrong way and, and say, um, this is the law speaking. And in, in some way, it is the law speaking. But I, I, I really think what, what his illustration is, is you are this already. And you see the reflection in the mirror. Now, when when you're looking in the mirror, this is who you are already. God has made you this, and you forgot. <laughs> you you've gone through life forgetting what you are. Um, and and man, how 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 many times has that happened? Um, sometimes, and I, I know that was one of the warnings that went out when when I was in seminary. You know, when you were among your your parishioners, the people you're called to serve, don't forget who you are, right? Um, you may you may go and, and find a couple that you're good friends with, um, and and they become friends. Don't forget you're the pastor, right? Don't you are you are this still for them, and and I think there's a lot of that going on in this idea. You are still God's creation. You are still found in Christ. Um, but you so easily can forget that be, because it's so easy to look in the mirror and, and then forget what you saw um, staring back at you.
1: Yeah, and it is uh, a reminder, of a reoccurring theme of the book of James, that God has called us to a life, that is a faith that lives. Uh, this isn't just something that we uh, learn about or it's not an intellectual ex- exercise. It is creating people through that word of God, creating people who are different, who live different in this world who take what they hear in worship or take what they read in personal devotion and they say, this is how I'm going to live, um, not just um, receive passively. This is actively how I'm going to engage in the world that God has given back to me.
0: Well, and and that becomes coming back to the very first verses that we looked at, right? That's the test and the trial. That that's That's the blessing that God gives us to live in is – this this is going to this is the the sounding board that you are up against. This is the the joy of walking the narrow the narrow road to eternal life, um, and it is a joy and it's not easy. I mean that's why we need the one who gives us strength all the time, um, because it is by his strength we can walk it. So this is good
1: stuff. It I mean, is good stuff. It's and it's, it's,
0: I don't understand why. Oh wait, now I know. Um, Luther did not have a good understanding of grace when he first said this was
1: 15, an epistle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He didn't understand it. He didn't understand it yet.
1: He wasn't Lutheran yet.
0: No, but that's right. He changed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know we're, we've been talking about spirituality, but now we have to talk about religion. Verses twenty six to twenty. You like you like that segue? I, I've I talked do. about that in uh, Bible class a lot about. Religion Religion versus (laughs) spirituality. Yeah, I talk about religion a lot. That's a good thing you do that, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about religion in Bible class. I've talked about
0: forgiveness before.
1: (laughs) 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 No, the false dichotomy of uh, religion versus spirituality, and James is a really good book for that because it talks about – it does find the common ground. If someone was saying, I am spiritual but not religious, and we would say – Let's find the common ground here between us two, but it isn't an either-or. This is a, there's a third choice here. So verse uh, 1, verses 26 to 29. If anyone considers himself to be religious but deceives his own heart because he does not bridle his tongue, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and defiled in the sight of God the Father is this. Take care of orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained by the world.
0: Yeah, you have. Um, yeah, I, so he's he's highlighting what is religion, and and I really would say that he's he's saying spirituality and religion are the same thing because what is religion? Religion is living what you believe in the world. Um, it is uh, faith in action. So um, interestingly enough, and and this is where we have this first introduction um, by James, which he will He'll bring up further um, how much the tongue, how much the the words we speak um, are the indicators of what's truly going on inside of us, Um, and so he he brings this in in a beautiful way where he's gonna he's gonna be tackling it kind of further down the road um, in in more detail, bringing up the conversation though between um, I'm spiritual but not religious. I think I think James James is really saying, and, and maybe I'm misinterpreting, I don't even think James is leaving open that option that there is a difference. I, I think James is just saying this is it. If you, I mean, he doesn't even say spiritual, but if you want to use the word spiritual, if you're spiritual, then you are religious because you're living your faith. Okay. Whatever the faith is, you're living it. Right. And uh, the accuracy
1: the accusation of those who say that I'm spiritual but not religious is they've changed the definition of religion to mean organized religion, as if organized religion isn't spiritual. Uh, where right. it's always James's design is that our what happens on Sunday isn't just all by itself, isolated, and then we live a different way. This is all in harmony with one another. like What we talk about on Sunday is what we do on Monday. What we do on Monday is what we talk about on Sunday. If someone were to say, why do you do all the things that you do, you could say, well, come to my church on Sunday, and I'll tell you why I do the things that I do and why I live the way that I do and I make the decisions that I do, because this is in harmony. This is the same thing rather than two different things.
0: Well, and like I would say when I... When I talk about the means of grace, I say what flows from the altar to you on a Sunday flows from that altar into your home every day of the week, right? So the forgiveness that flows from the altar to you then flows from you to your home, then from to your, from your children and you to the rest of the community. Um, and, and so it's ridiculous to think that there's this division. I think we like this division, though. I think we live in a society that in, that appreciates having a division because um, we can claim Uh, If someone comes up to us and says, do you believe in God? Like that's a a thing that anyone cares about. Um, Do you believe in God? And you can say, yes, I'm very spiritual. And then you could go about your day doing absolutely nothing. Right? It hasn't changed you in any way. But then I, I always prefer to tell people, here's the question. Do you believe in Jesus? Who's Jesus to you? And um, well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Good. What did He say? Don't give up giving to get uh, meeting together to somewhere in the habit of doing. <laughs> but let's do this all the more <laughs> as you see the day approaching. Oh, but that's organized religion. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. <laughs> God organizes you in Christ to be a part of a body, not to not to be out there going, "I'm spiritual. I'm I'm a spiritual person." Look at me fluttering around in spirit.
1: How many times can will how many different accents does will Harley have? That's You'd the be question.
0: Surprised. You'd be surprised.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then the next question is how many good accents does he have? Not a that one. <laughs> I, I I like that comment.
0: I like the comment that Rachel just put up there on 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 the text uh, that is there is truth to that, that in organized religion, there's accountability and people don't like accountability. Exactly. Um, And so if you claim spirituality, um, you can be anything and be anything and believe anything. And nobody cares. Um, But when you are, and nobody can touch
1: it. Yeah. Nobody can change. Nobody can push me.
0: But when you are a part of something, you have to, you, you are then uh, accountable to that thing. What is it that they believe? What is it that they practice? Do you believe it? And if they don't, if you don't believe it, why are you there? I mean, those are. I mean, there there is something to be said. This is a confession, and even by not making a confession, you made a confession. <laughs> so, um,
1: uh, yeah, James I gets I like very uh, particular in this section about how to practice that very faith, because um, he talks about t- bridling your tongue. So you can't just say whatever it is you're feeling. You can't just say whatever it is you're thinking. You got to bridle that tongue. That is, that the idea of a uh, of. Uh, guiding a horse uh, your mouth isn't all by itself it, it is guided by something and then well, he's he going to
0: talk about that later right it about the bit
1: a bit yeah um and then interestingly enough he talks about it in terms of positive and negative so you if you are living your religion living your faith living your spirituality you're going to positively take care of those who do nothing for you and negatively the with the orphans and widows, like they can't provide for you um, or anything like that, and then negatively keeping yourself unstained by the world. Right.
0: Uh, I, I think we got to be careful and, and just taper back very lightly and say um, these are just a handful of examples that um, we are given here by James. These are not the only Things so he's not saying, All right, the only thing about religion is um looking after orphans and uh cleaning up your act, Uh, that's not what (laughs) he's not limiting it just to that. Um, he's he's saying, Okay, here's some examples, right? Um, here, here are just some simple examples of how you how this might be seen in your in your world. So, yeah, where are we? Where that was chapter one chapter 2 So are we like at an hour now?
1: We are at 1 what? hour 3 minutes.
0: 1 hour and 3 minutes we were told the the the, the vote and the census went out. They said finish. finish. Go to finish go it. to chapter 2 verse 13. So it looks like we've got 13 more verses. So
1: yeah, fortunately those who are listening to us can they, they can always pause and then you know take a break, we fill could. up their coffee, fill up their tea. But you and I, we're just gonna keep right on going. This is what we, this is what we're for. We are, we are just people who give.
0: We are, and I, just so everyone knows, I'm in purgatory.
1: <laughs> Tell us about purgatory, Pastor Will.
0: I'm running off of co- running out of coffee, and it has to percolate. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so that yeah, was the wrong button. I was c- I was supposed to push yeah, the button. Uh-huh. <laughs> I encouraged Whatever. you, and then I <laughs> just pulled the rug out. I said. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: That's the appropriate one. That's the response we're <laughs> <you're> looking for.
1: <laughs> we were making jokes in the pre-show about his boom being evident, and somebody uh, made a comment about, no, boom, there's your coffee. So I think pretty soon we have to come up with the, the Madden uh, quote and use that as one of our thing. And whenever there's something, just push that and have him just shout, boom. There it is. Yes.
0: Oh, no, I need to get the sound clip. Boom. Um oh what is it from uh, um 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 um. um, um, um. <sighs> no, that's going to bother me. Um so okay. Was it POD who sang that song?
1: Yeah, I'm oh not that's I- going to bother me now. I'm not I'm in, in I'm, I'm not into it. people singing songs and lyrics and things like that. So
0: Yeah, I know that's weird. You just listen to the organ play. You I just listened to
1: instrumental music, yeah. The way it was, the way that, <laughs> yeah. The way anyway, it was God intended it, it it intended it to be. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be <laughs> <laughs> slow to speak, slow to become angry. Uh, I'm trying not to get angry about people who can't enunciate when they sing. But uh, anyway, not, I'm good thing that my Savior lived a perfect life for me. So now let's look at. I bet you at he sang. I'm, I bet you what?
0: I bet you Jesus sang.
1: I bet you he did. And I bet you he enunciated. Chapter 2, because he wanted everyone to actually hear what he was saying, because his word is good stuff. Chapter 2, shall we go? 1 to to 7. Can we just do 1 to 7? Is that all right with you? Fine by me. My brothers, have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ without showing favoritism. For example, suppose a man enters your worship assembly wearing gold rings and fine clothing, and a poor man also enters wearing filthy clothing. If you look with favor on the one wearing fine clothing and say, sit here in this good place, but you tell the poor man, stand over there or sit down here at my feet. Have you not made a distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil opinions? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you dishonored the poor man. Don't the rich oppress you and don't they drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who blaspheme the noble name that was pronounced over you? However, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show favoritism, you are committing a sin, since you are convicted by this law as transgressors.
0: Yeah, so we've got some good stuff. And it yeah. deals oh. with favoritism, um, which I think is something that um, is very much a part of our society today.
1: Right? I would agree, and it is also something the organized church struggles with, because they would say, we need more people in the pews, we need their offerings, or we need more people who have children because we need the children in our schools. Yeah. What uh, What is the church here for? Are we there just to feed itself, or are we there to share a message with the world and let God uh, take care of us? That is the eternal struggle that each organized church has to deal with. Why are they there? And how they conduct themselves and how they operate as a church should not show favoritism.
0: Yeah, but that's a hard thing because, you know, the the tendency to to either— conduct your services geared towards one uh, demographic giving branch and, yeah. demographic in the congregation or to um, not even necessarily in the giving one but just say okay we want we think that uh, the younger crowd will want more PowerPoint flashy pictures things like that and so we we gravitate towards that instead of um, you know using the the hymnal or things like that that the older people might be more comfortable with or uh we're gonna throw away the organ and we're gonna play more piano and have more what so that's the church does that all the time um
1: and then pastors exactly and the favoritism goes in reverse too where you can say sure. we we want to use the hymnal because that's what we've always done or that's what we yeah. like to do and so it's it's that constant self-awareness of are we why are we doing the things that we're doing are we doing it for ourselves, or are we doing using everything that we do in service to the gospel?
0: Or, or, the best one that I've heard is, well, it was good enough for me. Why shouldn't it work for you? um uh, that's And that certainly really is happy. true
1: of the means of grace of the gospel, right. and word, and sacrament. It was good enough for you. Right, right. it's good and enough for others. But how we communicate I've heard that.
0: that? I have heard that with like um the o- using the older version of the Lord's prayer as opposed to the newer version of the Lord's prayer. Well, the older version was good enough for me. Okay. No one ever said you couldn't say it that way. Well, I can't say it like that in church. Sure you can. Everyone else might not, but you can certainly say it that way. Um, why can't we? Are, with all of their technology and how they can all make their use their cell phones, why can't they learn the old the old way of saying the Lord's Prayer? Because that's not how they talk. And and they want to approach their Lord in the way that they speak. And they want to approach the Lord in words that they understand. I, I think there's, there's that... There's the bias, I think, coming with favoritism. There's a bias that we're looking at external trappings and we're looking at things that we perceive and we're making judgments on them. And when we make judgments on them in this favoritism, we're standing in the place of God, that that we are standing and saying, I can do just as well as God can do in judging who is worthy and who's not worthy and what they should know and what they shouldn't know and how they should know it and or not. Um, and And that's a really slippery slope to be standing on it it really is
1: james illustrates the rich versus poor gives us the disadvantage of well if you are trying to pander to one group that will help you in the long run they'll help you without um, help you with gifts and and things of that nature says aren't aren't they the ones that cause you problems in three ways aren't they the ones that are oppressing you um, aren't they the ones that are telling you that we got to do it this way because I've got the money, and if and if you don't do it my way, then I'm going to leave. Um, and then, then where will you be? That kind of control over you financially. They're are also the ones that bring you to court, so they have the financial means to make your life miserable in the in the courtroom setting. And they are the ones who um, aren't really living their faith. They're just they're blaspheming the name of, of God. They're they're just for whatever reason. And, uh, and he does paint really broad pictures, like the rich, um, as if. All of them do that, and I don't think that's what he is. He's trying to say he's just using a hyperbole of of this is this is what can be found among those who are rich. It's not that as if all the rich people are like this. It's just this is what you find is not all the blessings that you think you're finding when you I- invite and show favoritism.
0: Well, and and he actually, he's gonna. I mean, this is um, he's gonna be bringing up the rich and the poor that that kind of illustration later on. And, and I think what he does so beautifully is he actually incorporates the rich into the church, and and later on in his in his letter uh, or at, in this sermon he's going to say, um, you know, the rich among you, right? They have a thing to struggle with, and the poor among you have a thing to struggle with. We talked about um, that last week. Yeah. 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 There, but there's this uh, right there's the dichotomy there between the the rich and the poor. You can still be Christian, but you have now different things that you're struggling with. Um, and, and what he's saying is back up and say, let's not judge somebody by what they have, and let's look at the way God looks at them. Um, and this is a person in need of a Savior. This is a person in need of Christ. Um, I like how he he, he brings up in, in 8, right, the royal law. You know, there's, there's um, something above all things. And what is that something above all things? It's God's word, God's law. And it says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Not all of you, I love myself a lot, right? I, I want good things to happen to me. I want I want good things in my future. Um and the Lord says, Good. If you want good things for you, you want good things for them.
1: James is continuing on in that concept of the law and the gospel being together. You can't you can't love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't have the gospel, if you don't have the realization that your God loves you and, and will take care of you, because uh, every time you help somebody else, you are depriving something from yourself. If I'm going to give somebody else my time, well, then that's time I don't have for myself. Well, how am I c- supposed to take care of myself if if I uh, give uh, and am generous and, and, and charitable with others? It's an act of faith that is only created in you through the gospel, which reminds us, of who we are, that we are loved by God, that we have a Savior who takes care of us and provides for us, and um, that love is consistent and that love is the motivator to be the person that God has called us to be, which is someone who loves their neighbor.
0: Uh, and isn't it an interesting thing to realize that, that you can have someone who acknowledges God exists and and yet they think God is a miser and God hates them and God God, God. God only wants bad for them and they are only where they are because they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and you see that that that's how they treat people um you know it, it, and this could be something that wealth brings on um you know I had to go th- you know what I had to go through to get where I am uh why aren't you going through that too you need to go through that and you need to do what I did um and they don't, they don't see the lord as the one who blessed them with these gifts and gave them what they have and allowed them to progress to this point. Um, and so it's, it's, like you said, so beautifully said, um, without having the gospel and knowing what Christ has done for us, a lot of this is what we see in the world today. We, we see the rich getting what they want over the poor, and we see resentment from the poor uh, to the rich, um, and we don't see people working together at all because they can't. There, there's nothing in them that desires to do anything outside of themselves.
1: And no law by itself is going to move someone to do, to love, no. truly love someone. We can be nice to someone, but it we won't truly love and or do what's best for them. We will, in some ways, in many ways, exploit those other around us. You know, we'll, we'll do the virtuous thing. We'll look at me. I'm helping this person. Well, you're not really helping that person. You just want people to know that you're helping that person. So how can right. we ever get to a spot where we are truly loving someone and doing what's best for them is only through the gospel.
0: Absolutely. I agree. A- and I also agree, uh, again, Rachel put out some some good uh, things for us to, to maybe consider. Uh, Prayer of Jabez and the Secrets of the Vine became bestsellers because they catered to the sinful nature in this. Uh, and I think uh, you have a lot of bestsellers that do this. Um, you know, they cater to the sinful nature to make yourself feel better, to, to lift yourself up, um, instead of this is, I can do this because God loved me and I have nothing to worry about. You know, it's, it is, uh, when you, when you find yourself in Christ, um, you find that nothing else matters and and that's okay. And, And I can give and give and give because I have more coming, um. And I never have, I never will have, I will never outgive my Savior. How about that?
1: Right? Which is a perfect way to close off James because, well, let's read verses on 9 to 13 because he talks about that. It's kind of neat how we, when we're talking about James and we're talking it, th- talking it through together that we l- go to the next place that James goes as we do so. Are you
0: saying t- there's a natural d- flow?
1: That, that there is a natural flow. And so you kind of know. It doesn't happen all the time because the word of God is a living document. But it is interesting to see how, as you're talking it through, you go, well, what's the next thing to talk about? And James is the talks about exactly that. Let's look at verses 10 to 13. In fact, whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at one point has become guilty of breaking all of it. For the one who said do not commit adultery also said do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery but you commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law of freedom. For there will be judgment without mercy on the one who has not shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment.
0: So you have this law of freedom. Um, and this is, a, this is a very interesting phrase, um, if I remember correctly, only used in James. Um, or predominantly in James. Um, the law of freedom... Is quite simply God's ordinance, God's decree to live. And what is that God's decree to live? We have another name for it, justification. The law of freedom is: I declare you not guilty. It is grace. That's what it is. Grace, plain and simple. Um, God has declared you are not accountable.
1: Law and gospel together, law of freedom, yep. um, a- and the law needs to be there in all of its severity. It needs to be there to remind us we can't we can't be the perfection that God demands. Instead, God gives yep. it to us and wow. declares that we have it.
0: Yeah, and if and if you have no grace, if grace is not a part of the picture, um, all there is 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 the reign of law. And, and this is one of the things that I, I think, and maybe this begs to be said again, and I know we've talked about it before on the podcast. I can't tell you exactly when and which one, um, but we've talked about the difference between mercy, and we've talked about the difference between probably when we dealt with the unmerciful servant in the, in the um, um, scandalous, um, stories. scandalous stories. Um, but we have to remember mercy sets everything to zero, but gives you no more it just sets it to zero. And so think of mercy as as forgiveness, right? You're you're forgiven. You're you're set to zero. But but you, you don't have more and you didn't get less. You just you're at zero again. Without grace, there's still judgment because even if w- even with mercy you can still fall back. You can still add to the account, right? And then you'll be judged again. But with grace, you don't fall backwards. Because God has given you the money to continue to live and pay on your account. It's, it's there. I don't have to borrow more. I got it. I don't have to get more. I got it. Um, so, so really, there's this difference between grace. Grace is the undeserved love of God. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. Mercy is you're set back to zero. And, and both come with it, right? Um, but usually in Paul, you have that beautiful flow, grace, mercy, then peace. I have grace. God's giving me everything and over everything. He gives me mercy, sets me back to zero, but I'm really not at zero because I'm already ahead in Christ. <laughs> and and now i'm I'm at peace. I, I, I'm at peace. Um, but but James does a beautiful job and says, you know without this, there's just judgment and and, and that's all you have. Um, that is a that is a fearful place to be, a fearful place to be. I don't know what else do you want
1: to do. Mercy triumphs. I, I love that uh, of God. You know, setting us back to zero, removing us our sin, giving uh, everything back to us, and then now, uh, now the challenge resets. I think it's for the Christian who is struggling their whole life. They're saying, "I I haven't done really. I know I'm I'm supposed to be overcoming these trials. I know that God puts them in my life so I become a better." christian but i don't feel like i've really taken advantage of those or i don't feel like i could be the christian that um i want to be it's kind of like uh uh anakin skywalker in revenge of the sith when he says i don't feel like i become how does the quote go i'm not the jedi that i that i want to be or something yeah. like that something like that where I'm he not he a, knows I'm his not pot- the jedi i should be yeah yeah you you know your potential and you're not living up to that potential where right. this whole section of that we've talked about today of we have g- a God who wants us to be better today than we were yesterday, we're not living, and we as a Christian, you're not feeling like you're living up to it. You're not feeling like you're. There's always something that you're struggling with. There's always some sin that you're that is revealing to you just how much you need God, that you how much you are falling short of what you could be or what you should be. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That God shows mercy to us purely, like you said, so wonderfully, because of his grace. He has shown mercy, has removed our guilt by t- putting it on Jesus, and now giving you another start. So for the Christian who is struggling and saying, I should be better than I am today, this is a reminder to us, in God's eyes, you're back to zero. That's okay. That, I mean, <laughs> it's like you have everything now. You are righteous, you are holy, your sins have been forgiven, the slate has been clean, the past is forgotten, God doesn't doesn't look at your life as if, oh, Dave Rudot could have been so much more at age 46, but now here he is, and, I, and I'll deal with it. No, God looking at you and saying, Dave Rudot is awesome here at 46 because he has Christ, and he has for, he is forgiven, and he, he the Lord gives us this world back to us that we can live in this, and he says, here's, here's some great opportunities, here's some great trials for him to be better tomorrow or better today than he was um, and boy, he could be better
0: than what he is, but he's still be. a work in progress. <laughs> You're a work in progress like we all are, uh, and the Lord is still working with us. And in his eyes, we are great because of Christ. And you said it beautifully. Um, a comment, and we want to come back down to, maybe come back down or go up to verse 10. I think that's that's where we want to go. Um, I, I think it should be be a part of what we're saying here um, we have to we we don't want to get it into our head that god is not holding us accountable. that that god is not saying okay or that god is saying okay, well, i just i wipe all sins underneath the rug. um and they mean nothing. What we're saying is that they're punished, but you didn't take the punishment. He can give you mercy because someone else took it, took what what they deserved. Um now what is deserved? And i think this is the part that that um Is is part of the question. So the question was, um, going back to verse ten in a ranking of sin, um, and how in especially reformed circles um, you have this ranking of sin. Some sins are worse than other sins, Um, and in verse ten you have it very clear: all sins are the same. I mean, you could keep everything and you, you just slip up and stumble on the very smallest thing, and you deserve punishment. Now.
1: Which is what like we teach our kids in confirmation, because every sin is a break of the first commandment. You should fear and love God. So it's a reminder to us, and Luther put that in there very wisely. Of these com- these sins that that um, the commandments that God gives, there isn't. It really is, love God, love your neighbor, and every time we don't love God. Or don't love our neighbor in whatever small way is still as big as a big uh, someone doing a big sin against God or a big sin against their neighbor.
0: But what happens is, is we 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 view that and we see those words, and and this is where the reform get hung up, because they look at that and they say that's not fair. And and, and in in a lot of reforms are, and in all mankind circles, it's like we want God to be fair. And and I'm going to say this right out. Anybody listening, you can start screaming afterwards. I'm telling you right now, you do not want God to be fair. I, I, I'm just laying it right out there right now. Because if God was fair, Jesus would not have died. You would have hell. Yeah. That That's fair. That God said, be perfect. Let's go back to that. God said, be perfect. Be as I created you to be. Be holy as I desired for you to be which means without sin, nothing, no imperfection, all the time, from the moment you are conceived to the moment you're called. But if you're perfect, you wouldn't be called from the world, you'd live forever. Be that. And if you can't be that, what you deserve is what in, imperfection deserves, which is hell. So let's get it out of our minds and get it out of our terminology, woo-woo, God is fair. God needs to be. No, you don't want God to be fair. You want God to be loving. (laughs) You want God to be gracious. That's what we want God to be. (laughs) We, We don't want God to be fair because fair is you suffer for it. And God said, no, I'm not going to be fair. I'm going to give it to my son, and I'm going to let him suffer for you, and I'm going to let him die for you, and then I'm going to give you the riches that he deserved. And that were rightfully his, and that does not seem fair at all. And you need it because anytime you break one little thing, you've broken it all. And, and good, perfect stuff there. Uh, hopefully, that answers the question. I think. I, yeah, I, I, th-
1: I think we just we were uh, a sounding board that said what she already felt, but she would she okay. wanted to bring that to our attention as well and to our listeners as, as well. This is the world that we're living in, in the world that looks at the commands of God and says, uh, these can be kept in some way. Instead of the commands of God is, we can't keep them, but g- mercy has triumphed. He has sent his son Jesus to live and die for us, and now God gives us gives everything back to us, gives us the world back to us, gives to our li- our lives back to us, and says, here, love as you have been loved, and um, and start uh, thinking of others be- first because i thought of you first. So this is a, a God who, who loves and, and uh, provides, who shows grace, who shows mercy, and who wants you to live and be the children that he has called you to be and to be better than the children that he has called you to be. And he will equip you to be better than the, than you were through his wonderful means of grace, this perfect law, law and gospel together, Given to you in word and also uh, the gospel, definitely given to you in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper.
0: Yeah, I got nothing else to add to that. That was profoundly said in a good way. To you should have ended it there. I, I was just <laughs> filling space.
1: <laughs> well, all right. So Somebody's this is chapter. Them all on that button. <laughs> <laughs> so next time, next week, we'll be looking at uh, chapter two. Uh, some more. We'll talk about faith. That is real. So please join us, either you in live on on Facebook or on YouTube, or uh, download the podcast as we look at real life and living faith. It is a life that is lived, guided by God's word, which tells us God's law, but also tells us and equips us with that wonderful gospel message of Jesus and what He has done for us, e- enabling us by His grace and by His mercy to live Christian lives. Real life living faith here on Casting Nets Podcast. Join us next time.